This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, today is a great day for the VREP community. And I say that uh, meaning not only myself, but for, I know you, and uh, I know for all of our listeners, this is exciting. We have Colin Boza. That's right. Colin Boza, CEO of Boza Properties, is on the show. Such an interesting conversation. We've been shooting for Colin for a long time, so it's great to have him on the show. Uh, and in my mind, there's kind of three angles to this talk that right. that I think are really I want to hear this. I've okay. never heard this yet. Yeah, so this is I I come up, came up with this on the drive. It's a three prong. This is a three prong approach to why this is an interesting conversation. One, Boza Properties, massive development organization. So talking to Colin just about a day in the life of the CEO. What does that look like? Right. What is you know, that's just interesting, intrinsically interesting stuff. I and I I just want to piggyback on that. If you think you're getting up early, at, at the as a member of the five AM club, Colin's halfway done the day. Check. That, that's like you're you're teetering on. That's like Colin's evening almost. Yeah, no good. Uh, anyways, go on. Second prong. Second prong. Real estate. We shoot questions at Colin, such as what would you buy if you're a mom and pop investor? Right. What neighborhoods are you excited about? What sub areas of Vancouver? What areas more generally? What's the market going to do? What's the market going to do in the next two, three, five years? So that is a great part of this conversation. And who better? Who better to talk about that? Boza builds communities. Right. Like exactly. literally builds communities. Yeah. Um, so it's great to get his take 
on what's exciting in this market. And last, the human interest story, Adam. And this is like, uh, what, was it Mark Twain who said, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you told them? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think it was it was it was, it was it Taylor Steele, <laughs> past guest Taylor Steele, who said that to you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it, it might have been the case. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, go on. Anyway, well, Taylor, Mark Twain, whatever. <laughs> Human interest is the last is the last thing that I think is super interesting here. Growing up in a family of of immigrants from Italy, they came to Vancouver in the early '60s and basically built the largest, most impressive development company out there. Right. Uh, that is just intrinsically interesting. I, you know, if I was editing this essay, I'd probably take the intrinsically interesting part out because I've said it twice. Uh, but you were but saying- But you love alliteration and, yeah. and it's all right. Uh, but no, it's, I, I, I want to, I just want to put in a plug. This is a, this is just a, a fantastic conversation. Really um, listen to this, take, take out your notebook. Uh, this is a great episode. Before we get- to the conversation with Colin Nomad, this market—it's um, taking a turn. It's it's, <laughs> it's taking a turn it's, for the it's, crazy. Well, you know what's nuts is that uh, this is just a conversation I'm having with every agent I talk to right now. We we're heavily involved in the real estate market in Vancouver, and uh, we talk to a lot of agents day in day out. Uh, some of our closest friends, I would say, uh, and allies, right? Um, and everyone's feeling the same thing right now. It's nuts out there. And also it's like the new year marked, uh, it's like, I just feel like the market came out of the gates. It was in like a 20, weird, in like a, a, a much more aggressive manner yeah, but than the last quarter of the, 2020. The weird right? thing about it was 2020 was busy, right? Yeah, like we all ended up going, busy. wow, that was surprising. Like, ooh, who would have guessed? And, but now and it's like the like, steroid injection in 2020. That's right. So like here, I just was making some notes uh, right. because even from last week, maybe not, maybe it's the same. It just feels like maybe the f- slight fatigue uh, for early February is setting in. But South Burnaby House last night, yeah, 24 offers. Right. Uh, North Burnaby House the week before, 40 plus offers. Right. East Van Teardown in Grandview last night. This is an unlivable house. Yeah. 10 offers. I wrote on something last night, eight offers. Yeah. Everything is, is crazy. All subject free, all doing all your diligence up front again. Yeah. Pre-inspections. Um, pre-inspections, yeah. all the stuff on financing and the price increases, you know, I don't, the stats definitely do not capture uh, what we're seeing on the ground. And, and the, like when I think about my neighborhood, I just, cause I watch like a hawk, you know, for a lot, it was one six. Right. This was November, November, 2020, a lot was one six. December, a lot came on at 1699, sold in multiples for over 17. Everybody's pretty surprised. Last night, another lot came on, 1699, sold for over 18. So we're yeah. seeing like $100,000 increments month over month here. Like it's just bananas. It is crazy out there. And and uh, there's just no inventory, which is the hard part. And now even condos are busy again. So it's just, it's, tri- it's right it's across. trickle down, right? It's, Everything's getting busy again. Um, I think we're going to have a real hallmark year here in in uh, real estate, and it's across the board. Like, let's let's just talk yeah, about that, that for a out, minute. Right? It's not just Vancouver. Well, I've been like, and we've talked about this on the program, but I've got uh, good friends of mine that work in the market in uh, Kelowna. Kelowna's super busy. Victoria's super busy. Some of my best friends um, are there. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you know a guy who knows a guy. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Even like across the board, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who said that, uh, I, I think it was a relative, wrote on a house in Hamilton last night, 22 offers. I know that Montreal, I, 
I've never been. Oh my god! Uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful spot. Is it a beautiful it's spot? Great. It's a it's a nice spot. Great. Ottawa is crazy right now. It's hard to buy a house in Ottawa. That market's on fire. I hear Winnipeg is on fire. It's like minus Another beautiful spot. It's minus eighty in Winnipeg <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> but someone we need a fact fact checker yeah. here. But it's it's, it's very I cool. I think it was like minus forty. Yeah, and people are getting out and buying houses. The house, the 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 real estate market in Winnipeg is thawing the snow. Well, and that is it's worth as a as a kind of final thought here, right? right. What is it? February 9th today. Like yeah. we're this is we're not I talking usually, April I, yeah, no, or I, March even. Yeah. Um, like I feel like this is we're too early in the year to be talking like this. It's also too early in the year for both of us looking like weekend at Bernie's. No, kidding. I feel like this is. I feel like uh, someone dug me up. Uh, that's the thing. We're 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 really busy. Like, but it, it's also like the hours that I think people are working and and also like I should say the buyers. If you're a buyer out there, you deserve a lot of sympathy right now too, because it is hard. It's hard yeah. to monitor the market. Something comes up. It, chances are, if you like it, other people like it. It's also really challenging to help buyers right now, um, just because it's tough. You feel a lot of the things that your clients feel, right? I mean, when you when you lose out, you feel you bad internalize. for people. You internalize. So it is just a challenging market. I got to say, sometimes uh, everybody thinks realtors love these markets. But it's uh, you know what I great markets are often balanced markets to work in. Yeah, if you're an agent. Yeah, right? well, I you know when you said weekend at Bernie's, I was thinking uh, for the last week or two, like when I've been home, like I'm not actually present. <laughs> <laughs> like with your with yeah, your like child with my family and your wife. I'm just staring off in the space. It's yeah, like wave a hand in front of me. Yeah, and you I'm got just the, like oh sorry what the, the, <laughs> the sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah, I, but anyway, it's yeah. but it, it, this is all to say. We have an enlisting incentive right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because we've basically, you know, we've been joking about leaving the listings machine on, but it's true. Yeah, we're no, we're a lot busy of listings. with we've, listings. We've been launching a lot of listings and they're selling very quickly. And uh, if you are thinking about selling in the spring market, do get in touch because we have some incentives. Also, if you know someone that you want to refer to the Scalina Brothers, uh, we would love to help out people from the VREP community or anybody, any extensions of the VREP community. Yeah, we want to work be with clear, you. There's incentives if you're selling. There's yes. also incentives if you're referring trusted friends and family members to Absolutely. Scalina Real Estate. And what we have as a promo code is POWERWALKER2021. That is POWERWALKER2021. And if you're not ready to use the promo code, yes. keep it in your back pocket. Consider just joining the Sellers Club. Sellers Club, hottest club in town. This is where you get the best resources for selling your home for top dollar in the shortest amount of time. I love this when you're early days because it's just actionable items you can start taking care of right now to get your home ready for market. But the stuff that, the stuff that you do like weeks out, like this is a decluttering list. That's what it is. Yeah. So um, this is this is a great way to just get started. If you are thinking about selling your house this year, you know, no commitment. We'll send you the resources. Uh, they are the best out there. And definitely just either send us an email that says Sellers Club or else sign up for the live wire. And there's a button that you can click and the Sellers Club will come directly to you. There's two more things before we cut to our talk with Colin Boza. First, this podcast this week is sponsored by Oakland Realty. Yes. This is our brokerage, best brokerage in town. Doesn't get much better. 
and they're growing quickly. If you're interested in learning more about Oakland Realty, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. I think we'll be saying that in 2023. It's VRP 2020. That was when they started sponsoring us. Yes. (laughs) Oakland.com slash join VRP 2020 for new agents, aspiring agents, or somebody just looking to make a change. The resources over there are great. You also get a huge incentive when you talk to Michael and Morgan and the gang. And finally, Adam. Yes. The Vancouver Real Estate Podcast is hiring. Oh, right. Yeah. So we've uh, been successfully able to add some people to our team over the last year, but we are looking for a licensed agent. So if you are a seasoned agent or if you're a new agent or, or an even, aspiring agent or, or even someone aspiring <laughs> sounds who's, like the who's Oakland. Almost, coming, almost coming to the point that fruition. you got to yeah, write your a license. Real estate or, or, yeah. Uh, but get in touch. We're happy to help and uh, happy to have a conversation. You can send a resume to info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And um, yeah. Without further ado, though, Matt, let's cut to our interview with, in my opinion, one of the true goats. Um, I took that word from. I can't. I'm not even sure. I. I when somebody the, tells me what it is, it's I the know. greatest of all time. Oh, right. One of the goats. Oh, the goats. I, I'm. Uh, this is sports lingo. I was thinking we were talking earlier about how Boza would be if this was the '80s NHL. Boza would be the Oilers. Yeah, and presumably it's a stacked team. And Colin's the captain. And Colin's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Without further ado, Colin Boza. Okay, so we're here with Colin Boza, CEO of Boza Properties. How you doing, Colin? I'm great, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks so much for taking the time today, Colin. My pleasure. Can we uh, can we maybe start calling? Uh, a lot of our listeners are going to know uh, your name and and know the Boza brand, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Well, today I'm the CEO of Boza Properties, which is a private uh, family business, and I I work alongside my siblings, some in the business and and some not, uh, and my father. But my career started really at a young age. I uh, being in a family business and watching my father uh, from a very young age, one of the values that he tried to instill in all of us was that of hard work. And so at a very young age, uh, me, my siblings, my cousins were all working on the job sites every summer. And so, you know, I got a sense for uh, the business. I got a sense for business in general and uh, did that uh, through my high school years and then uh, I was, uh, when I, you know, when I was younger, I was in a hurry. So I wanted to get working full time as quickly as I could. And so I looked out after I graduated and looked at all the programs that were out there. And I, and I picked BCIT really because of that. I, it was a two year program and I figured I'd get my education and then get, uh, get working full time. So, uh, after high school, I went to BCIT for two years, uh, studied, uh, real estate and business there. And then join, and I, and so I was just uh, turned 19 the summer of my 20th year, and I joined the business. And, and when I joined the business, my dad really gave me a white pages and a yellow pages uh, and said, go build some houses. And so for, for, for me at the time, it was really kind of, you know, kind of just get thrown into the water and you got to figure out how to swim. And from there, I kind of did spins throughout the business in construction and development and and that really started it off for me and then 
you know, just kind of worked my way up through the development, did a lot of the roles throughout the business, and then just started uh, taking more initiative, taking more uh, ownership in the company in the sense of, you know, initiative and responsibility, and really went from there. And then, you know, I I realized that I probably needed to round up my education a little bit, so I did my CFA uh, years later, and um, and that's kind of, you know, one thing led to another, and that's where where we are today. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about um, uh, Boza Properties on, on the show before, but Adam and I both are, are kind of history fans and, and we have an Italian last name and we've kind of charted our family's uh, journey to, to North America. But your family story is prominent on your website and I think it's kind of known in, in the business, but can you tell us a little bit about, you know, obviously you joined into your family's business, uh, but can you talk about kind of the origins of, of Boza Properties? Yeah, well, um, the, the family and, and the business, I mean, it's interesting when we talk about the business because the family and the business are so, you know, indelibly linked together. And so, you know, it's kind of uh, really intertwined. But, you know, my father immigrated to the Lower Mainland in 1958. He was 12 years old. And at the time, when in Italy, they actually stopped school at 12. So he had assumed that his schooling was over. And he came to Canada and realized he had, you know, a number more years left. But in his mind, he was already done. <laughs> the rude awakening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he didn't last uh, too many more years. I think, you know, he dropped out in grade 9 or 10. But I had a passion for and started in the, you know, as a carpenter. Um, and my dad's a, a journeyman by trade. That's, that's, you know, how he started out. And so uh, eventually joined with some of his other brothers in what was uh, Boza Brothers at the time and a, and a family business. And they started, uh, you know, building houses and then it kind of grew from there. And so when you look at our business today, you know, and my role is a little broader than Boza Properties because um, in the Boza family of companies, which is our group, we actually you know, we own income producing assets, we do development, but we also have a construction company. And it, it really started from there. Like uh, today, if you were to start a development company, you want, you might do your own in-house construction, but you're probably not building for other people. And you probably don't have form work. And for us being integrated that way started, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago with, you know, how the, the business grew up. So, that's a bit of the history, but in terms of the organization, and you mentioned, you know, seeing seeing the history on our site, we're very, very proud of, of that legacy and where we started from. And so, you know, even even the carpenters that are on our site, we really celebrate them because that's really the foundation of our business. That's where we started from. And and so when we think of ourselves as a as a company, we won't really think of ourselves um, you know, in the sense of financial architects or trying to financially engineer projects. I mean, we're craftsmen at the core and, and it really, it really starts from, you know, that, that history and, and the legacy that was started 50, 60 years ago. You know, just thinking about that, like, so I guess you're second generation Canadian, how large the company has gotten, it, it's even 50, 60 years, like it's pretty incredible. What, what in your mind are, are kind of the, you know, the, the key attributes that have led to the success of, of Boza Properties? Yeah, I, I would say a few things. Number one, you know, we care about our product and we care about the customer. So we're always going to do the right thing. And, you know, we're never going to put uh, money before 
doing the right thing. That's just who we are. That's that's in our DNA. Our reputation is more than you know. It's more than trying to make a few extra bucks on a project or in a in a situation where we. For us, it's about doing the right thing, and we always think long term. So, you know, we we're not um, short sighted. Um, we think in generations, and you know, we have a saying that infinite patience will get us immediate results. And so we we think um, we think long term, and and that allows us to do things that when you take a broader view of the world, and you kind of lift your head up and you you look out over the horizon things start to look a little different than when you're, you're looking at things, you know, really short term. The other thing is we're entrepreneurial at heart. Like, you know, we, we enjoy growth and what we really enjoy about it is it, it challenges us. We have to be better to grow and it, it really forces us to be better as an organization, but it's that entrepreneurial spirit really when, you know, you think about even the family, when they came here from Italy, that's what they were, they were coming for a better life. And, and and that idea of, you know, wanting a better tomorrow is kind of ingrained in, in who we are. And so this notion of being curious and entrepreneurial, but we're always trying to improve, like continuous improvement. You know, one of my philosophies is just be better every day and and, and really find ways to improve, but, but really make a conscious effort and build an organization that can, can do that. So, you know, that's really important. And then the, I, I would say a third piece is we've always operated within our means. You know, we, we haven't stretched the business uh, too far where, you know, we were in jeopardy. I mean, over the last 10, you know, even 15 years, I can, I can tell you point to countless deals in the city that we saw that we knew they were good deals. We just, you know, we just weren't at the time able to do them and, and, and we were comfortable passing. We never kind of got out over our skis, so to speak. And, um, you know, so when we went through 08, we managed that all right. And, uh, you know, as we go through COVID, we're managing this all right. And I think that's one of the, you know, tenants in business and real estate is you, you know, you kind of kind of have in the, over the long term, I think real estate here is going to be very well. You just got to make sure you can get to the long term. Yeah, for sure. Just, just thinking about the kind of entrepreneurial spirit, Adam and I are realtors and, and, you know, I think it's a business full of people with, you know, a lot of energy and trying to establish businesses. Like just thinking about when you were young, there must have been a vision and a level of energy in, in your house and amongst your family members to grow so quickly. Like, can you speak a little bit to how that maybe was different than, say, people down the block where, the, you know, maybe it's their dad was an accountant type thing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, obviously, uh, every situation, everybody's situation is different. For me, just as a young age, listening to my father and my uncle talk business, like, you know, I can recall they'd be in the living room and I'd be sitting on the stairwell just outside of their view, just listening to what they were talking about because, I just really enjoyed it. I, 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 you know, I just really enjoy the process of business. And so being around it and even working on the sites at a young age and being able to ask questions and, and soak it in, I think that was obviously a real gift that, that I was given at, at a young age. And so when I was growing up, for me, you know, I guess I was fortunate because I knew what I wanted to do. And, and for me, it wasn't always just real estate. Like I viewed real estate as a platform for us to be able to do other things as well, because I love real estate, but I also really, really enjoy the process of building a business. In fact, 
I might even argue I enjoy that more. Um, right. And that's really what my passion, you know, lies. So I've watched what, what like a Jim Pattison has done from afar. I've really, you know, that's really inspired me. I read his book a long time ago, you know, what Buffett and Warren, Warren Buffett and how his philosophy is, you know, you look at someone like Jeff Bezos, how he operates, like there's so, so much to learn from all these different people, even if just watching them from afar. And so, you know, what, what was different about our house? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's like, you know, the analogy sometimes I use is you look at how many um, NHL players, kids actually make the NHL. Like they're actually, you know, there's a, there's, there's a few of them. I mean, they're probably higher than the general population, but I think why is because they, they were exposed to it and they, you know, they, they get that, that learning, but they also are around people that have, you know, taken the risk and have done it. And, and so it's maybe not as big a leap, or they believe that it can be done. And, um, you know, that, that was, I think, one of the gifts that I was obviously, you know, given at a young age. Colin, can you maybe talk about what a day in your life looks like as the CEO of Boza Properties? Sure, yeah. So generally speaking, I tend to get up early, lately a little too early. Um, <laughs> so like this morning I was up at 3.30, and I generally, if I'm, if I'm awake in my bed after 3.30, I get up. Um, and I'll, you know, grab a coffee and I'll read for till 6.37. I typically like to be home and, and see my kids in the morning. I, I head into the office around 8. Um, you know, Monday mornings we come in, we've got executive meetings for half the morning. I have a fair number of direct reports and I, I like to meet with them one-on-one every two weeks. So that takes up uh, a bit of time. But then you know, I, I, I spend most of my time, I spend a lot of time on people initiatives in the in the business. I spend a lot of time on the initiatives that we're implementing in the business. Uh, obviously, get involved in projects at a high level. We talk a little bit about, you know, w- w- new acquisitions and that sort of thing. But, uh, and then I try to, you know, try to carve out some, some time to be able to think for sure. So you were, you grew up in, in a family that was very engaged in real estate. And I think it's, it's really interesting that the idea of the process of developing the business is kind of as interesting as real estate, but presumably you have a, a, a deep love of real estate and you've, you've operated in this market for a very long time. Like in your, in your mind, does the Vancouver real estate market make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense. You know, you can look at that from a, from a number of different perspectives, right? I guess it's, a uh, it's how you want to look at it. Number one, um, I've always said like for the longest time, real estate in in Vancouver outpaced real estate in Toronto. You know, Toronto's come up the curve up in, you know, kind of pre-COVID, they were coming up the curve pretty fast. But, you know, when you drive into Toronto and you see some of the buildings that are built and, and you look at some of these, like, you know, you see some of these towers that are 20, 30 feet apart from each other. And, the units that are facing each other that are probably aren't that livable in those situations. And then you, you look at Vancouver. I mean, I, I don't live downtown anymore, but when I, when I lived downtown uh, years and years ago, I lived, you know, sort of in the Yale town, I was about 10 blocks off the water, but I, I had from my apartment, I saw water from three sides. And, and the point I bring that up is because it is worth more than, you know, a lot of these other cities. I mean, it's just a beautiful city. There's a lot of people want to live here and that's what happened. But um, let's talk about today uh, in, in terms of real estate and, and does it make sense? I mean, I think from an investor's perspective, you know, we're in a really low interest rate environment, right? You can, 
you know, five-year money is, is as cheap as it's ever been. If you have your money in, you know, in a savings account, you're not getting much on it. And I think with a lot of capital that's out there uh, chasing all different asset classes, what's going to happen in a low interest rate environment is that assets are going to be bid up and that's, you know, that's what's going to happen. So we all have to accept lower returns. And I, I think, you know, when you look at Vancouver real estate and, and I, and I'm looking at it from a perspective of, a, of an investor because, um, you know, from the person, you know, like whether you make sense, that's, I'm assuming that's how you're, you're asking the question, sure. but you know, I, I look at the vacancy rates. I, I look at how low they are. I, I and I, you know, how how many people are moving into the city, and you know, you can see the value in the real estate. So, do I think it makes sense? Yeah, I do, I do, and I, I do think though it's a it's a good place to invest and park money. And keeping in mind that we do live in a low interest rate environment, and that's what happens in these environments. Do you have any areas in the lower mainland that you're really excited about right now, Colin? Well, I, I can tell you where we're focused. Um, and so I guess by default, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm excited about them, but I obviously I'm biased. Um, <laughs> you know, we're, we're working, we're, we've got a big project uh, through one of our subsidiaries, a Blue Sky up in, uh, in uh, Squamish. And Squamish has, I mean, in the last six months has taken off. You know, I, I think it's been one of those outlying areas that's been the beneficiary of, of COVID now that people can uh, work from home or considering work from, working from home. You know, w- what we're seeing is people used to work in the city, live in the city, work there five days a week and go and uh, have uh, Squamish as a playground on the weekend for two days a week. And, and that kind of paradigm has been flipped where now they might be coming into the city two days a week and and living where they play five days a week. So Squamish has been quite interesting to watch. You know, we have a number of projects coming up in Cole Harbor and the West End, which is interesting. And then uh, we're two other areas that were quite busy is Metro Town and Surrey. We've been in Surrey for, uh, you know, for a number of years now as well uh, in the core. So, um, you know, that's where that's where we're operating right now. And um, and the uh, the markets, uh, you know, they all, all of them seem seem to have uh, a bit of traction right now. You know, it's it's funny. Like we've talked on the show, and this is uh, watching kind of from afar. But a company like Boza can almost make a neighborhood in in a lot of ways, or transform it and transform it in the minds of a lot of people. In thinking of that, can you talk a little bit about how Boza and and how long it takes to build something, right? So, you know, when somebody's getting the keys to a Boza project that it was conceived of years and years before, can you talk a little bit about how you guys go about choosing development sites and and markets that are exciting? Like, because you were in, you've been in Squamish now. Um, we've you know I think actually uh, Adams helped some people buy some of that those those townhomes mm-hmm. up there. Um, and that's been a while. But can you talk about kind of the the long process? Sure. Yeah. Well, so when you talk about markets, markets, we we um, the term markets for us means a little something different than maybe how you would perceive a market. But market for us is um, broader markets like lower mainland or the United States or Toronto or different product types. So when we think about markets we uh, and how we pick markets, we look at um, our competitive advantages and can we compete. So, for example, we haven't been in Toronto because we question our ability to compete against 
Toronto developers. And it's not to suggest that we can go build a building in Toronto because I think we could, but we like to operate where, you know, our brand, for example, doesn't mean as much in Toronto as it would in the lower mainland. So, so that's how we think about markets and we really think about where we have a competitive advantage. In terms of how we pick sites, well, that's also a function of the product type that we, that we do. And, uh, you know, so Surrey is a good example. So, so we, we look at every situation slightly different. We look at, obviously, like I said, the, the product type that we build. And we're looking for opportunities that make sense financially. But every now and then, you know, we see opportunities where if we take a longer approach, all of a sudden, perhaps we might buy a property that we might not have had we were thinking shorter term. So Surrey is a good example. We started buying sites in Surrey in 2010. You know, we we're buying properties that had good income in the, on them, but we knew one day they would be developed. We don't know when that was going to be, but we, you know, but by the way we we're buying, we could afford to wait. And so, you know, that comment I said earlier about, uh, you know, infinite patience creates uh, immediate re- results is uh, Surrey kind of came, you know, came uh, or had its day a lot sooner than we might have even thought. And and so we're building, uh, you know, quite aggressively out there. Squamish is, is similar. We, you know, we saw the opportunity to buy that property. Um, we felt we were buying it at a good price. Um, we actually didn't know when we were going to develop it. We, you know, we thought maybe it was something that we were going to park for some time and we saw an opportunity to, to develop it sooner than later based on, you know, what we were seeing in the market. And, um, I mean, obviously with what's happened with COVID, it's a bit of dumb luck. Uh, but when you're in the game, sometimes that happens, right? So, um, uh, so that gives you a little, maybe a little insight on how we think about markets and sites. Can we talk about like outside of the lower mainland? Are are there regions uh, or other, I guess, markets in general that you're you're excited about right now? Yeah, we um, we've been over the last number of years. We've done a fair amount in uh, Victoria. We're not active there uh, right now. We uh, obviously have the project in Squamish. We uh, we're doing uh, uh, some work down in Seattle. You know, I, I think right now, uh, obviously with COVID. And the the whole work from home phenomenon, like it'll be interesting to see uh, how things shake out. And so we're, you know, we're trying to really get a sense for what is temporary changes and what are structural, and and what are uh, what are going to be lasting changes. And and um, and so as we you know start thinking about different markets and where we want to play long term, that's also something that uh, that we're we're thinking a lot about. Can we can we maybe talk a little bit about that, Colin? So we've kind of been talking about some of the buying trends as either a fad or or an actual trend, like it's here to stay. What's your opinion? And has Boza pivoted in terms of like the product that they're building or or the direction that that the company is heading, or or do you think this is something kind of short term? Yeah. So you know, one thing we would never do is we would never um, act in a knee jerk way. So anything that we do would be well thought out, well researched, and done in a in a methodical way. My sense is there are going to be things that change. I do think that um, you know for a lot of organizations, some sort of a hybrid uh, work environment will probably be you know how they end up, and which could mean that. And we're seeing a lot of young families, you know, that were potentially living in the core, let's say, a city like Vancouver, um, you know will move to the outskirts to get a little bit more space. I mean, I think that's, 
that's very possible. Uh, and, and we're seeing it today, and that could be a lasting thing. Now, the challenge you're seeing when these people make these decisions right now is that they're comparing, uh, let's say, Squamish, which is a beautiful setting in a beautiful city and has so much going for it with uh, the city uh, downtown Vancouver right now, which is, um, you know, the shops are closed. There's, you know, the amenities are closed. There's not, you know, so you're kind of comparing uh, Vancouver at, it, at not its best, let's say. Right. Um, but that being said, like, if you look at, uh, if you look at the, the broader economics and, 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 and what's happening is we don't have that much immigration. Like the third quarter of last year was the lowest immigration. We had 3000 people leave the province, which is the lowest number since 1991. And, uh, you know, the federal government's already talked about increasing those targets that they had over the next three years. I think the total number of uh, immigrants that they want to target to Canada is like 1.2. And obviously the lower mainland is going to get a lot of them. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is we might see people move out and, and those outlying regions will be, uh, you know, become uh, popular and, and potentially hot. But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of people moving into the city. And, and, I, and by no means do I think the city is dead. You know, one of the I was reading an article by Sam Zell the other day, and I thought he made a lot of sense was, you know, all it's going to take is a business to, you know, perhaps having everybody in the office, maybe it gives them a competitive advantage and maybe they start winning business and competing really well against their competitors. And if that starts to happen, I think you're going to see people start to start to move into the office fairly quickly. And and the example that I use is, you know, we're, we're in the middle of trying to hire a senior executive in our business right now. And I'm talking to an individual who, uh, who is not from like I've been having the conversations over over Teams and you know over a Zoom call and I would never hire somebody without meeting them in person and so it kind of tells you the limitations of working in that environment. Now I can say though we've been working from home over the last you know six to eight months and we've been very productive. But it's it's you know I guess what I'm saying is the jury's still out on it and I do think you know maybe a hybrid approach but but by no means do I think the cities are dead. In that, so in thinking about kind of where we're at and, and where we're going here and noted that you guys have a couple sites, Boza has sites in, in the West End and Cole Harbor downtown. Downtown's kind of had a, a well, had a lackluster 2020, let's say, in, in terms of the broader market. Just in thinking about the people who listen to our shows, like we we have a lot of mom and pop investors who listen and, you know, maybe are aspiring to acquire a, one rental property or a second or third. If you were in their shoes right now, what would you buy and, and where in Vancouver uh, if if you were just, we're just thinking about a single investment property? Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, I always like to be direct and answer questions, but I, I that's, uh, you know, to tell somebody they should go, um, you know, buy in the West End or go buy um, in Burnaby or wherever. I mean, I, I I really don't believe that's the right way to answer that question. In my opinion, the way to answer the question is wherever you invest, do your homework. Like, really understand why you're buying the asset. And, and I think that's, you know, that's really, really important. So what are your objectives in investing? And how does that asset meet those objectives? Now, the other thing I think to, to really understand in that equation is 
similar to how we would analyze a deal. Like, what are your capabilities? What is So, for example, if you told me that somebody was really good with their hands and where should they invest, I might say, you know what? They should go investigate a build by a concrete building that was built in the 1980s that you know is built really, really well, and they should go renovate the unit and and bring it up to snuff, and, and I think they could create a lot of value. So my point is everybody's slightly different. So what is it that you enjoy? What is your capability? And how does that factor into your investment thesis? But more than anything, do your homework, become an expert on an area, for example, and you know, wait till you kind of can buy something that makes sense and understand your objectives for buying and what your exit is. And sometimes the other thing I always say is like, for people that buy, I don't try to time the market because it's you, nobody can time the market. Take a long-term approach, and you know if you can take a long-term approach. And so maybe your exit's not necessarily selling the asset. Maybe your exit is, you know, I'm going to refinance it in four or five years or what have you. But that's where I think it's it's really important because the, the reality is there's opportunities all over the place. It's just you know finding those opportunities and understanding when they come along so that you know what is you know what is a good deal and what isn't you know maybe just thinking about not timing the market 2020 i think surprised everyone at least most people we've been talking to what are are your thoughts on on the market this year it seems like we're off to a, a very busy start but the i'd be curious to hear your thoughts on the market for 2021 and and if Presumably, you guys are forecasting what the next three to five years looks like in in your mind? Yeah. Well, first of all, let's talk about what we're seeing as an organization. So we saw, you know, November, December of last year were really good months. And we're seeing the same thing that you just talked about. So we're seeing January uh, a good month as well. And so on our projects that we're selling, we're seeing good demand. And on the stuff that we're coming to sale, we're seeing registrations very, very healthy. So that's kind of what we're seeing on the street. Now, let's look at the numbers. 2020 was, I think, MLS record sales, right? So beat out, yeah, I go back to, I think, 20, 2016, but record MLS sales. And I think this year, 2021, will beat that. So why is that happening? And let's look and, you know, kind of see if we can extrapolate where we think things are going. So, you know, even from a supply perspective, in the last two years, there's been a shortage. Um, so l- let's talk high rises for a second. The, the industry brings about um, 80, just shy of 9,000, 8,500 units to market over the last 10 years on average. In the last two years, they've launched about 40% of that. And I, and, and I think that's probably correlated to with some of the other product, but, but that's used that as a uh, kind of a, a benchmark. So we know supply is short. You've got um, low interest rates, which are driving a lot of people into the market, as well as, you know, people looking to trade up. You know, then you've got COVID layered on where there's actually been a lot of people that have done okay through COVID, but they're spending less. And so whether you talk to, you know, the economists from CIBC, Royal Bank or Scotia, they're all saying the same thing. There's a tremendous amount of um, capital sitting in deposits, you know, more savings today than than they've ever seen. And so at some point, you know, that money is going to start to flow into the economy and, and a lot of it could be targeted to housing. So, you know, from what my perspective is, I think 2021 is going to be a good year. 
you know, with interest rates staying low, you know, our industry takes so long for supply to get caught up. And so when you, you kind of factor everything in, I think this year is going to be, you know, another healthy year. And, um, you know, I, I think we're going to probably feel it more in Q3 and Q4. Maybe as a final question, Colin, you know, I often in the resale market, we, we sell a lot of Boza buildings and, uh, our inspectors often point out, usually it's in the parkade when they're looking at the concrete, they get really excited about the Boza buildings. But what is different about a Boza home, in your opinion? And and can I just say as a piggyback to that, when you mentioned target older concrete, I feel like Boza is the only on the resale market stuff that was built 20 or 20 plus years ago, people still say Boza built, Boza built in the resale right. market. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be keen to hear your answer to that. Yeah. Well, first, let me just address what you're talking about, like the uh, buildings that were built 20, 25, 30 years ago. So one thing that uh, when my my father and his brothers actually uh, made the transition from building wood frame to high rise, they didn't have the expertise. They didn't know how to build high rises. So they hired a Finnish fellow. Uh, he was from Finland and um, that had built these types of buildings before. And one of the advice that he gave essentially my father and his brothers was build concrete exterior walls. And so when you look at a lot of the older Boza buildings, they're actually like the exterior of the buildings, actually they're built with concrete exterior walls. And so, you know, from that perspective, you know, they're built very well. And and those buildings today, like, you know, add an extra coat of paint or, you know, refresh the paint and, you know, they'll look new. So that was just a way that they were building back then. But in terms of, you know, what do I think, uh, how, you know, our buildings uh, differ? Um, Like I talked about earlier, I think, I mean, we have, we strive, if you were asking me one of the things that I'm most proud of, I always use the analogy, uh, you know, if you were to buy a brand new car, and you were to drive it off the lot with a dent in the with a dent in the door, you know you would never do that. You would never accept a brand new car with a dent in the door. But you think about our industry, and you think about what developers have have asked buyers to accept in terms of the quality of the homes when they're built. Is um, I, I don't you know for some reason it's been acceptable to have all these deficiencies. And so for us, we strive to, to, to get to zero deficiencies. Now, that's not always easy to do, but, you know, we just finished the build, two buildings, uh, uh, two towers recently, and we averaged, you know, two deficient, 1.7 deficiencies per unit. And what, what, what I'm proud of is that we're able to do that at scale. You know, we're building thousands of homes and we can still get that, that degree of finish um, and it's it's not easy to do at scale, and and that's you know so you take what I'm I guess what I'm saying is that pride like when my dad built his first cabinet, he ripped it down six times because he didn't get it right, and and what I'm getting at is that same pride that went into those first cabinets that he built is now transferred into thousands of homes that we deliver every year, and and to to have that continuity at scale is not easy to do. And, and one of the, you know, for me, one of the biggest points of pride. The other thing is, you know, we think a lot about how people are going to live in our homes. And so they're, you know, they're built with purpose and thoughtfulness. And what I think you're going to start seeing in the next generation of homes, we're, we're launching uh, Central Park House in Burnaby in the next month, 
but just more of a design focus and which is which is also very exciting so you know those are some things that we focus on and potentially different than the market that's incredible yeah it's interesting to think about the the kind of wedding uh, love of real estate with a love of process right like the scaling kind of elements of of your job it's kind of incredible the scale yeah, no, what I was going to say is, you know, for us, it's, um, it, you know, you go, it goes back to what, what makes Boza different or how we think about our business. Like, you know, it's interesting because when you're in the top of a market like we've been in the past and, you know, we've got, a, I believe, a rich history and a great brand. But let's be honest, there were developers that were coming into this market and had never built a building before that were able to sell for as much money and as fast as we were. And we were sitting around asking ourselves, do we even have a competitive advantage in this market? Like, right. And, and then the question you ask yourself is, you know, and we see the quality and you go, why do we continue to do the quality? Why spend the money to get to 1.7 deficiencies when you don't have to, right. and it still sells. And for us, it's, you know, you go back to, it's just about doing the right thing because people deserve it because we care about our brand, we care about our product, we care about the people we build for, and they should, you know, it, I cringe if we we weren't able to deliver that level of quality because we owe it to somebody who's, you know, put a deposit down and they put their faith in our organization and we just feel like that's doing the right thing. Well, well maybe we'll leave it there, but Colin, we do have just five quick questions about, uh, well, they're lighthearted questions about your experience in Vancouver and a couple other questions. Can you stick around for that? Sure, sure. Um, so question number one is, what is your favorite neighborhood in Vancouver? Maybe outside of where you're building. <laughs> I was going to say Squamish. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't really have a, a, a favorite, but um, I like the character of Gastown. And uh, I think that's a, a pretty neat, neat neighborhood. Great. Favorite bar or restaurant? <laughs> um, Maybe it's been a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, there's a little restaurant. We did two buildings in Yale Town, uh, 819 and uh, and Jardine's Lookout. And there's a little restaurant, Lupo, right beside there that oh, yeah. has a really great ambiance and really great food. And for a, something really quaint, it's a, it's a neat little restaurant. Yeah, I was there kind of closer to like pre-COVID, but that, that's, a, that's a great spot. What is one book that you'd recommend everybody read? You know, I'm a, I'm a Buffettologist. I've read, <laughs> I mean, and I'm talking about it from a business perspective, not, uh, not anything outside of business, but I just think the simplicity with which he goes about his business, how he can find a, a calm in the center of the storm. So uh, what I would suggest if I had to recommend a book is read his annual letters. Or on the other end of the spectrum, more of a business operator, Jeff Bezos' annual letters. I think that's an MBA. Both of those are equal to an MBA. Wow. Then, yeah. That's, that's, that's a, those are great. One piece of advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Uh, believe in yourself. Good one. Uh, and last but not least, something that you've purchased for under $1,500 that has uh, changed your life in the last few years. Yeah, that would have to be my phone, uh, but, <laughs> but more specifically, uh, my Kindle app is, uh, is the, I think it's the greatest invention. Is that what you're reading on every, every morning for the most yeah, part? Yeah. Wow. 
And what? And I and I wanted to ask it earlier, but I, I kind of have to ask it. What What are you reading mostly? Are you like are you are you scouring? Like, is it is it related to real estate or is it uh, more for pleasure? Or? No, I mean, if you think about your typical day, right? Like, let's say you get up in the morning. You might be late for work. You grab some uh, breakfast. You might see your kids. Uh, you race to the car. You might take a phone call or two while you're driving. You get into into work, and all of a sudden you're bombarded by this and that, and this and that. And right. you're, you know, you go home and you, you spend some time with your family. You eat your dinner. You go to bed. And when do you have the time to really think? And and that's what I I, I that's the hours that I enjoy. I, I it's really contemplation. You might call it mindfulness, but it's really about really thinking about just, you know, your, what's going on in your life and how you're managing it and how, you know, you might be able to improve. And, you know, for me to manage the business at the size that it's gotten, if I wasn't taking the time to do that, I, I would just be in a reactor, you know, reaction mode all the time and it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be much fun. So it's one of the, you know, I've been doing it now for, uh, 11, 12 years. And it's, uh, I actually jump out of bed because it's part of the day that I, I really, really enjoy just having some time to myself some time of solitude. That's great. There's so many listeners out there that are part of the 5 a.m. club, and it's good to know that Colin Bose has been up for <laughs> already almost two hours. hours. <laughs> <laughs> Your day's half over. Yeah. Now, I, I should say my alarm is set for five, but <laughs> said, if, I'm, if I'm up, I, uh, I, I can't lie in bed. I just got to jump up. So. <laughs> That's great. So, Colin, how can, how can people find out more about Boza Properties and, and what you guys are up to and, uh, and follow projects? Yeah, well, um, obviously, uh, you know, on our website, and we, we do have a great project just to, you know, give a, a little plug here, Central Park House that we are taking registrations for now. We'll be launching the um, first week in March. And um, uh, I, I would say, you know, all the information on our website. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we'll link to that in our show notes. And uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, taking the time today. We really enjoyed it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Colin Boza, CEO of Boza Properties. Really enjoyed that conversation with Colin, Matt, and uh, it's great. I love Boza for a lot of reasons. I mean, it's a, it's it's one of the few developers that almost any anyone, it's like a household name in Vancouver, right? I mean, it's it's just a, it's a, they have a long tradition of building in Vancouver. But I love that story about uh, Colin, you know, sitting on the stairs out of sight, uh, listening to his uncle and his father talk about uh building and, and real estate and just, it, it really just, it gives you this, this uh, great feeling of family and uh, entrepreneurialism. Yeah, in, uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, that, to be a fly on the wall during those conversations. Or a kid uh, on the stairs. A kid yeah, on the stairs. Geez. To be a kid on the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, great talking with Colin. Um, what else do we have today, Adam? Before we go, there's a few things. Right. One. I just want to put a fine point on this. We are hiring. We are looking for a licensed agent or somebody almost licensed that is interested in joining, you know, a dynamic, great team here in the city of Vancouver. Some might say thought leaders. Some might. Yeah, some might. You. You say that about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Self-described, yeah. Uh, But we are hiring. 
info at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. Send us a resume. If you have a friend you think would be a good fit, definitely pass it on. Yeah, spread uh, the word. It would be great to get somebody from the VREP community. We've been able to add some people to our team over this past year, and we're growing. So if you know somebody out there, we've actually we've had some of the best recommendations from this community. Uh, our office manager, as we speak, is someone from the VREP community. That's and, right. Uh, and she's whipped us into shape. That's right. So get in touch if that's of interest for sure. Secondly, we have our listings incentive. This is the spring incentive, Power Walker 2021. Right. This is for yourself. This is for your friends and family. Everybody wins with the promo code Powerwalker 2021. And we have VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, Adam. Yeah, Matt. This is the best place to get resources like the Livewire. The Livewire, that's our weekly mailer. We're sending out stats before anyone else and tons of useful information. You want to sign up to the Livewire. We also have tried and true private client services. Because Matt, if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You get realtor level information. It's updated about 36 to 72 hours before public MLS. This is the kind of leg up you need in a market like this. You need to see that listing first. So no better place than PCS. You can sign up for free on our site. What a phenomenal service. We've tried them all. It's the best. VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. If you want to talk about that or anything else, give me a shout, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Or you can try me at 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that secret line, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And Matt, I should say I am excited for next week because we have um, senior economist from RBC, Robert Hogue, on the program talking about RBC's predictions for the market. You are not going to want to miss that and, episode. And that's just one of many uh, episodes we have upcoming. That, Lining I mean, them we're up. We're stacking them up. Yeah, this is a, this is a, down. a great year to be in the VREP community. That's right. Enjoy your week, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Your thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple 
life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.